Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? So good to see you. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible, incredible privilege to pastor this church. And hey, if you're visiting with us, let me say welcome and what a Sunday you chose to visit. You'll see as today plays out. I want to real quick just kind of piggyback on that. If God has been doing something, and I say if, we understand that God is always working. It's not if he's doing, it's whether or not we're recognizing what he's doing. So let me say it like this. If you have recognized God doing something in your life over the past few months, do us a favor and just shoot us a testimony at my story at tnvictory.com. We love to share those. We have a one-year birthday party coming up January 21st, right? Or January 20th, I think is a Sunday. And so we get to be able to share those testimonies with people all the time. We try to work them into services. We have family that uh, support us financially and different things back in Memphis and in, in Texas and different areas that we like to send testimonies to and just let them know what God's doing right here in Smyrna. Tennessee. So again, if you recognize what God's been doing, do me a favor and just shoot an email whenever you get an opportunity. And then we'll ask you, we'll say, hey, do you mind if we share this? Because we love to get in front of our church family. And here's why. Because after Growth Track uh, graduates here next week and and we kind of end out the year, We'll, we'll be looking at, I think, right about 110 people on our dream team. So 110 people who come here every Saturday, every Sunday, and they serve, and they give, and they, they sweat, and they, they, they hustle and bustle, and as soon as they get done shaking hands, they run, and in their, their beautiful dresses, they go and break down kids' ministry and all this different thing. They love to hear that what they're doing every weekend is changing lives. They're not just here to pick stuff up. We could do that at Planet Fitness. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they love to hear lives being changed. So that's my big reason is that I get to say, hey, guys, you're not just coming here every weekend to, to work out. You're coming here to change lives and lives just like uh, um, Chris and Denise right there on the video that how God's been impacting them. Amen? Amen. So do that for me. Uh, one more thing. As we get really close here next Sunday to our Purpose Prevails offering, I want to share a testimony and I want to just real quick explain. So this is something we're going to do as a church every year. Every year we'll do this. We'll gather at the end of the year and we will step out sacrificially. Uh, both Malcolm and Pastor Brian were talking about giving, but I do want to challenge you to give sacrificially. This, this is one of those seasons where I understand it's one of the worst seasons sometimes to give because our money is going everywhere to all kinds of different things. And what an opportunity to show God you're number one. You're number one, God, and I'm, I'm, there's these things I'm asking for and there's these things I'm believing for and I'm going to step out sacrificially and financially. And here's the way I like to kind of put a, put a tag on it. When you give, we are going to use your money to build the church. Just letting you know. God's going to use your money to build your faith. Okay, that's just, that's, and I'm going to give you a great example. So, just like everybody else, hopefully, Darla and I have been praying and prepping for our Purpose Prevails offering, and so we've been trying to figure out them out. We want it to be sacrificial, and, and obviously we got two little kids, and so we're kind of balancing Christmas, and we got cars that need extra attention, and so we're balancing all of that, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to pay all of this stuff as we're getting closer and closer to the, to the Purpose Prevails offering and to Christmas. And so every Sunday almost, uh, a, a few of us will go out to eat after everything's done, and we tend to go to O'Charlie's where we had this particular way. Should we go there because kids eat free? Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right. Um, brother, brother ain't rich, but he ain't dumb. And so um, we, we, we kind of had this waitress that was just super nice. And, and just, you know how it is. When you have a good waiter or waitress, you want to give them the world because they make your experience great. And we got to go. We ended up going almost every Sunday and building a relationship with her and just a great, great person. And uh, we were, we're pretty sure she's a single mom. And again, just, just, she's just the best waitress. And so one day, Darla came to me and she said, hey, um, uh, some of us, we're, we're going to bless her. And I said, oh, okay, that sounds great. You know, blessing. Get out the oil. Let's bless her. I know we're going to give her some money. Like, okay, great. 
Um, sounds good. And, and so we're already giving money to all these other things. Let's give money to her too. And so I said, all right, well, because I'm the leader of this household, I'm going to start praying now and uh, figure out exactly what we're going to give her. And so I spent my time praying, and then the Lord laid an amount on my heart. And I came back, and I told Darla, I said, here's the amount we're going to give her. I don't know where it's going to come from, but uh, this is what God said, and it's what we're going to do. And so last Sunday was the Sunday that we were going to bless her because she's getting a new job, and we don't know if we'll ever see her again. And so we, we get to church, and I go back, and for those of you who don't know, I have like a little green room that I go over my message one more time in the morning, and during the week, it's a bathroom, okay? So during the week here at the school, it's a bathroom. Sundays, we make it holy, you know what I mean? And so uh, it is what it is. And so... Um, I go back there, and there's this card on my table. It just says the Powells, and so I grabbed it, and I said, oh, it's, a, it's like an early Christmas card. And so I put it in my bag so I could kind of focus on Sunday, and so we head out. And so I, I, I connected with Brian and Eric and a few other, Pastor Brian and Eric, and just said, hey, we still, we still going to do this? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this today. I said, okay. And so we get in the truck, and I said, oh, this card. So I open up the card, and, and it's a Christmas card. And I open it up, and, and it's from one of our dream teamers, and she was just loving on us. And, and it, it was funny because two things happened. One, it said, and she wrote in there, she said, sorry. Sorry, it's early. I just wanted to give it to you now. Second thing was there was the exact amount of money in that card that we had already committed to give to the waitress at Old Charlie's. All right? So here's the deal. Before you give God praise, I want to do this. It wasn't early. It was on time. Right? Come on and give God praise now. And that's what I'm talking about, church. That's what I'm talking about. We had prayed. We had committed to this, and God provided. Another thing on that list was to get our brakes fixed on our car, and we got a phone call from her dad, which... Thank you, Poppy, that he had already fixed our brakes, so that was free. Can I get an amen on that, right? So here's what I know. So far, we had to get money for four things. We've done two of them, and it ain't cost us a dime. So God must be in this thing, right? He must be actually, he might know what he's doing. Oh, my goodness. And so I just encourage you, look, next Sunday, as they said, it's not about the amount. It really isn't. It really isn't. Because to some people, 10 is sacrificial. To some people, 1,000 is sacrificial. It's whether or not you're trusting God as you give sacrificially, saying, Lord, you are number one, and if you pray and you told me to give this, I'm going to give it, and I'm going to watch you operate through it. Amen? Amen. I'm preaching before the sermon. That's just the introduction. (laughs) All right, you ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, open up the book of John, John chapter 6. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. You can look it up on your phone, Google John, uh, and, or if, if not, the app. And if neither one of those, it'll be on the screen behind me, and you can follow along as we go. As Pastor Brian mentioned, or maybe Malcolm mentioned, we, today we are bringing to close a series now that will be eight weeks long. You've been here for eight weeks. Anybody been here for all eight weeks of from here to there? Anybody? Y'all going straight to heaven right now. You're just going straight to heaven. You don't even matter what you do from here to the time you get to your car. That's not true. Don't believe that. Um, so, so eight weeks, we're coming up on the end. This series has been all about this. It's been us believing and asking God to do the impossible in our life and, and building up our faith. And so we said, we're here. This is kind of how the concept came. We're here, and we're believing God to take us there. And so that was kind of our prayer process. And so some people there was a job. Some people there was a financial some situation. There might have been your marriage. There might have been a, been a child or whatever your there was. And so we went through this process of what you have to do to get from here to there. And there was acknowledging you're there. And then there was attaching the promises of God. And then there was this process and so on, so on, so on. And we just went through about seven weeks of steps of how you could get from here to there. And here's the understanding. I know there's a really good chance that some of you have not arrived that you're there. There's a really good chance that some of you are praying for something that as of right now you haven't received. 
Some of you have, and it's been great. I hope you send that through my story that we can share. Some of you, man, week three, you got your prayer answered. Some of you, week six, you got your prayer answered, week seven. But some of you, you haven't yet. Here's the great news about it. It doesn't stop today. This concept doesn't stop when the series comes to a close. And here's how I know. Number one is because next week's Purpose Prevails gets to add on to this. Here's another reason. Because the fast that we'll do in January as a church plays into this. Remember the process, sacrificial or sacrifice, obedience. And so all these things play into it. And the truth of the matter is, my prayer that I wrote on my card, I, I might not see it for 10 or 20 years. That's how big it was. But I understand that I'm still going through the process, right? So you might have received your prayer already. You might not by the time the series is over. But God is hearing your prayers. And if you keep praying, I promise you, you will go from here to there. So to bring this to a close, here's what I wanted to answer this morning. I wanted to try and answer this question. In the process of going from here to there, how do I know when I'm in the middle of my miracle? How do I know when I'm in the middle of my miracle? We have kind of taken the past three or four weeks one particular text in Scripture, and we've broken it down every week. There's this particular story where Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish, and he feeds over 5,000 people. Theologians say somewhere around 15,000 people by the time you add up women and children. And we've walked through different perspectives of this because this is the only miracle outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that all four disciples wrote about. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were four disciples. All four of them wrote about this particular miracle. And outside of the resurrection of Jesus, it's the only one. So a few weeks ago, we walked down Matthew's authoring of it, and then Mark's, and then last week we talked about Luke's, and this week we'll finish it by reading it from John. Here we go. John chapter 6, 5 through 13. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. We preached about that a couple weeks, but listen to me. Whatever it is that you're praying for, God already knows what he's going to do about it. He already knows. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half of a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these people to just have a bite. And another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, hey, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Let's eat his food, right? That's great. But how far will they go among so many people? Jesus said, have all the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, so they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. That's where the theologians say that the women and the children made about 15,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. God is available for as much as you want. Now, I've got four sermons already. Yep. Y'all better get ready. He did the same with the fish, and when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Do you ever have random questions pop in your mind? You know what I'm talking about? Like, for example... Why are there flotation devices on airplanes instead of parachutes? You ever thought about that? Like, why, why can't we just go ahead and use the parachute now before we get to the water and need the flotation device? And what if you land on land? Flotation device ain't doing anything for you, right? I never floated on land before. Just a thought. Maybe y'all aren't, maybe, do you, no? 
What about, what about why is the word abbreviation so long? <laughs> you ever thought about that? Like, why did they do that? Here was one I had as a kid. How come glue never sticks to the inside of the bottle? That ever made you wonder that? Like, it sticks to everything else, but not the, I don't, well, whatever. Y'all ever think this way? Am I the only one? I'm the only one who thinks this way. I like how, yeah, yeah, you are. Something wrong with you, Pastor. You need Jesus quick. I see how it is. I'll give you one more, and then I'll sit here and judge you all quietly. Um, why is there Braille on a drive through ATM? Right? Is anybody who can't see driving? Some of y'all are. That's what it is. That's why so many wrecks don't say really. I know what's going on. It's just, just random questions. And there's, there's so you can have, I mean, I don't know. When you have two kids, there's always just random thoughts that just kind of come to your mind. And, and likewise, I had like random thoughts about this text. You know, I'm one of those guys that when I read it, I don't just go, oh, it's the word of God. All that makes sense. No, some of it doesn't make sense. For example, how come all four disciples chose to write about that story? There was this one time Jesus took dirt, all right? Walk with me for a moment. He took dirt and he spit in it. He spit in it, okay? <sighs> spit in it. And he took it and rubbed it on this dude's eyes like he was like in the movie Ghost with Demi Moore and doing like pottery. Put it on his eyes. Y'all need to watch movies more. And, put on, and then all of a sudden the dude could see again. They didn't write about that. All of them didn't shoot. It's mud. He, there was this one time this dude had been laying for like 30 or 40 years, and he was by this pool, and he could never get into this pool. And Jesus came through and said, hey, you want to be made well? He said, yeah. He said, boom, you're well. The dude could walk. They all four didn't write about that. One time, Jesus' like best friend died, and he was in his grave clothes. He, he was like a mummy in the grave. And Jesus raised him from the dead, and he came out like he was in a cast of Thriller. You know what I mean? He said, Thriller! I don't know how to do the thriller dance, but just, I'm not sure. That might be Aunt Viv from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm not really sure. <laughs> all right, okay. Anyway, they didn't choose to all write about that. Ha, you don't want to write about him healing or, or bringing some dude back to life, and you're going to write about this little boy's lunch? Why? Here was another question. Why did Jesus take his food? Come on, man. You're Jesus. You could turn a, bre a stone into bread. Are you going to take that little boy's food? Like this is sixth grade and you're a bully? You're just going to take his lunch money? Like what? I was confused by that. No? Just me? She's like, I'm going to have a sermon by myself today. <laughs> and then I was like, why, why the leftovers? Did you see that line where it said that there were leftovers? Why the leftovers? One time Jesus had a fish fry with Peter and he knew exactly to the decimal how many fish Peter had. So Jesus can count. So I don't know. I don't, and so here, here's, I just kind of finally summed it up like this. Maybe, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it's just a coincidence. You ever had a coincidence in your life? You meet somebody like, oh, you're going to be my best friend. And then you find out that you share a birthday. It's a coincidence. You, you decide to go on a vacation and you go out of state in a particular day and you find out that your next door neighbor went to the same state in the same time frame. It was just, it's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. Y'all ever had those coincidences? The Webster Dictionary actually defines coincidence as this. An occurrence of remarkable events that seem to have some connection by accident. Just have a connection. So I said, okay, I get it. So 
the four disciples all wrote about this story by accident. You know, it was like Peter was talking to John. It was like, hey, man, I just finished pinning the whole Jesus feeding the five. They said, oh, man, you too? He's like, yeah. Oh, I I included it too. Like today when me and Pastor Brown saw each other, we both had jean jackets on. It was like, oh, man, you too? That's how I think. That's what probably happened, right? They were like, ah. And then Mark walked up and was like, y'all too? And Luke's like, what? You know, I just think that's kind of how that happened, just by accident. Maybe, maybe Jesus took the boy's lunch by accident. Maybe he just got all caught up in the whole deal, you know, and he was just like, you know, like I said before, like Oprah, like you get a bread, you get a bread, you get a bread, you get a bread. and he just took, he's like, oh, you know, and later when he was with the disciples, like, did I really take that boy's lunch? Ah, man, it's an accident. Maybe, maybe Jesus miscounted and he had leftovers by accident. Maybe it was just like, oh, man, I didn't even, ah. she looked like two people, and so I counted... <laughs> And I just, ah, man, my bad. Like, uh, oh, just, could you just put them in a basket? Could you just put them in a basket? It's an accident. It's an accident. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just an accident. It's, maybe, maybe it's a coincidence. But Albert Einstein said that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Okay. So if I consider that, then what if God orchestrated a moment where 15,000 hungry people, 12 eager-to-be-used disciples, one poor boy with five barley loaves and two fish, and one Messiah, all ended up in the same place at the same time. What if, what if it was on purpose? Nah. I think it was just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. Do you think it was a coincidence when I walked into Coach Anderson's class at Craigmont High School and there were about 117 chairs and somehow or another I chose to sit in the one that was right beside Brian Hogwood? You think it was a coincidence that he, he invited me to his church and I said, I don't go to church. And he said, I'll pick you up. We play basketball and there's hot girls. I said, I'll go to that church. And he picked me up and he took me. And, and was it a coincidence that at that church I committed my life to Christ? And was it a coincidence that at that church I felt a calling to preach the gospel? And was it a coincidence that then Brian and Erica and his family went on to do ministry in other states and we didn't see them for like 12 years or something? I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. And, and was it a coincidence that when Darla and I felt like we were supposed to move and plant Victory Church, right around that season where we had made that decision, Pastor Brian and Erica also were feeling kind of a stirring in their life. And was it a coincidence that they were in Memphis, coming through Memphis as they were going from one place to another? And was it a coincidence that they said, hey, can we grab lunch? And we said, yeah. And was it a coincidence that we sat down for lunch and they said, what do y'all got going on? And we said, well, we're thinking about moving and planting a church. What do y'all got going on? And they said, well, we were thinking about moving and doing something different too. Was it a coincidence? Was it a coincidence when Darla and I started a young adult ministry about 45 minutes away from our house and probably an hour and a half away from Timothy Glimp's house, yet for some reason Tim Glimp decided he was going to make that trip 
and go to the young adult service? And was it a coincidence that me and him just had this kind of kindred spirit moment? And was it a coincidence that Tim said, you know what, I, I, I want to be a part of this ministry. And so he served alongside of me for the next four or five years. And then was it a coincidence that him and his wife were the very first couple that said, hey, we're going to move with you. And matter of fact, they were the very first couple to actually move. Was it a coincidence that when he got here, he got a job at Lifeway? And when he went into the human resource department, Andrea Sheeler was the one who he had to deal with. And so he was working with her because he worked with her. And was it a coincidence that on that next devotion morning, because apparently uh, Lifeway employees will come together and they will do like a devotional and they'll bring someone in to speak. Was it a coincidence that her husband Malcolm came in to do the devotional? And was it a coincidence that Tim said, there's something about him that's got victory written all over it. And so Tim said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet him and I'm going to tell him about victory. But because Malcolm looks like the rock, there was all these people surrounding him. And Tim said, I'm not going to do it right now. So I'll go back to the warehouse and I'll work. And so was it a coincidence that Tim goes back to the warehouse and he begins to pray this prayer? God, if you want me to meet Malcolm, then can Malcolm come walking back into the warehouse? And was it a coincidence that never once had any person who had ever done devotion there at Lifeway ever come back to the warehouse? But was it a coincidence that Malcolm was getting ready to leave because he had to go back to school and Andrea said, hey, honey, you want to come see the warehouse? And was it a coincidence that Malcolm said, sure. And was it a coincidence that as Malcolm and Andrea walked into the warehouse, Tim Glimp had just said amen on that prayer. And when he looked up, in walked the rock and his wife, and he said, oh my goodness. And was it a coincidence that they met? Was, was that a coincidence? Was it a coincidence that when I was a youth pastor, this very tall string bean looking fellow came walking into the youth group and we just became great friends and mentor, mentoree, and years, years later, was it a coincidence that he'd get a job as a worship pastor at a church called Bartlett First Assembly? And was it a coincidence that through him I would get the connection to come preach one time before we left to talk about victory? And was it a coincidence that the day that I was there preaching, there was this girl named Lanisa who was at church there? And was it a coincidence that after church, she came up and she said, hey, look, my family lives in Nashville, and I've been feeling like God was moving my heart to move back there and do ministry. Was it a coincidence? Was it a coincidence that before we launched the church, she went to Starbucks, and she was sitting there drinking Starbucks, and she overheard a group of women talking about how they were looking for a church? And so she got up because we had these rinky-dinky victory church cards because we didn't have a church yet. And was it a coincidence that she walked over and invited Melanie Olick, who eventually her and Jeff Olick, Mohawk, right, would come and be a part of the worship team? Was it a coincidence that in the same Starbucks, Amber and Tatiana went to go get coffee one day? And as they walked in there, they looked over and there was this really handsome young man over here reading his Bible. Was it me? And um, they walked over to him and they said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name is Blake. And so they begin to communicate with him and they gave him information. Was it a coincidence that the same church Lanisa moved to help plant would be the church where Blake would come to help lead? And was it a coincidence that they got engaged and soon they'll be married? Is it a, is it a coincidence? Was it a coincidence that I would go preach at a church here called Oak Assembly, I think it was? 
and I would meet a gentleman by the name of Jason Reasoner there, and me and Jason would have a connection, and me and Darla would go and eat dinner with their family, and then months later, Jason would invite me to coffee, and we would go have coffee, and he, in the process of him telling me a bunch of information, sorry, Jason, that I didn't need to know, through all of that process, out of nowhere, he mentioned the name Jeff Butterworth. Was it a coincidence? Was it a coincidence? I said, wait a minute, who is Jeff Butterworth? That name, did he create syrup? Can we talk about this for a second? <laughs> And was it a coincidence that he said, well, I haven't talked to him in 20 years, but for some reason I felt like mentioning his name? Was it a coincidence? Was it a coincidence that in Memphis, Amber and Andrew would be asked to lead a small group where one Courtney Glisson would go to the small group, and then during the holidays, her sister Casey Glisson, who lived in Nashville, would come in town and while she was in town, she would visit the small group. And was it a coincidence that when we moved her to Nashville, her and her now husband, Tony, said, hey, we want to be a part of Victory Church. Was it a coincidence? Was it a coincidence that the Lord told me to call the church Victory Church long before we ever knew Smyrna even existed? And then we moved to Smyrna and they have this history with some man by the name Lee Victory? <laughs> was it a coincidence? Or was it evidence? What you and I call coincidence, God calls evidence. Evidence that God is working and operating in and through you. I could have spent the whole hour going through coincidences. Do you think it's a coincidence that 10 months ago we started a church and that in 10 months 65 people have given their heart to Jesus? You think that's a coincidence? Think it's a coincidence that 12 people got baptized in water, 13 babies got dedicated, more than 50 people meet in five small groups, now 110 people on a dream team? Is it coincidence that we spend over 100 plus hours serving our community? Is it a coincidence that every week over 400 people view our online experience? Is it a coincidence? Or is it evidence that God is moving in Smyrna? Because if we're not careful, we will label coincidences, oh, I'm sorry, we will label evidence of God as coincidences. I wonder if there was a moment where they looked at the little boy and they looked at his food and they said, what a coincidence. Not understanding that they were right in the middle of their miracle. Can I give you a little bit more insight? There's a verse, and I'm not sure which particular version because I've read them all so many times over the past couple weeks, but there's a moment where it says that the disciples set them down in groups and that they were responsible for feeding their group. So in other words, here's how I pictured that. This disciple was responsible for these 50 people right here, and this disciple was responsible for these 50 people right here. And watch this. I don't know if you've ever worked at fast food. Anybody ever worked at fast food? All right. I worked at Chick-fil-A, which is the Christian version of fast food, okay? It's a fast food that's been saved. And so I worked there, 
And, and, and in lunch hours and stuff, it's so fast. And you're just going, you're giving, you're going, you're giving. You don't have time to pay attention to who's beside you. You don't even know if your friend's at work. You're just do, 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 do. So here's my picture in my mind. This disciple is just taking and giving, taking and giving, taking and giving. And as far as he knows, 50 people have been fed. He has no idea that 15,000 people have been fed because he didn't have time to focus on that. He had to focus on his group. And so he was just feeding and feeding. And the entire time, this is happening. It's happening. He didn't have time to stop and see the evidence of the miracle. And so because of that, they never panicked. They never got worried. And they never started thinking they were prideful. They just did what they were supposed to do. And in the process, God helped them see that they were in the middle of a miracle. And what they once would have called coincidence was actually the evidence of God moving. What's happening every week is that people are offering up their food on Saturday, on Sunday, and they're serving, and they're just serving their group. I'm just serving on the parking lot. I'm just waving. I'm just waving. I'm just directing. I have no idea that people are about to give their life to Jesus. I have no idea that people's marriages are about to be healed. I have no idea that kids are about to be saved. I'm just serving. I'm just serving. I'm in first impressions. I'm just serving. I'm just opening doors, opening doors, cooking sausage, cooking sausage. I have no idea that what I would call coincidence is actually evidence of God operating through me. I'm pushing buttons, I'm running lights, I'm singing to kids, I'm rocking babies. All I think is I've got this small lunch to give. I don't realize that I'm in the middle of my miracle. We can pray for there all we want, but church, we are in the middle of a miracle. And it's not coincidence. Brian Hall, it's not coincidence that we didn't plant this church in a movie theater. Oh, y'all don't know that story? Let me tell you. The one thing that Brian Hall hates the most in life, what do you call them? Bed bugs? Bed bugs. These are bugs that sleep. Bed bugs. He can't stand them. I don't even know. If, can I say this on stage? I don't know. I might get some money. Let's just put it this way. Let's rewind. Brian Hall doesn't like to go to movie theaters, all right? He can't stand movie theaters. So guess what? When he first heard about his church, when his, when his daughter said, we need to go to church, and his wife looked up, Miss Nikki looked up and found victory, and they said we need to go to church. Had it been in a movie theater, Brian would have said, nope. <laughs> nope. Is it a coincidence that that's the first place we looked? And is it a coincidence that we didn't even know about this school, but we were going to sign papers on a movie theater until they told us the price, and we said, we'll just have church outside of Popeye's? <laughs> is it a I think God said, could you make that amount a little bit higher? Because I got a family that I know are going to serve me like crazy, and if they're in a theater, he won't come. So it might not be a coincidence. It's evidence of what God's doing. I will pick you apart in this sanctuary this morning about how it's not a coincidence that you're here. It's the evidence of God moving. It wasn't coincidence that all four disciples used this story. Let me explain. This was the first miracle where Jesus used them to do the miracle. Every other miracle, Jesus did it, and they witnessed it. This was the first time that Jesus blessed it and said, hey, you do it. And so all four of them remembered it. Because it wasn't coincidence, it was evidence of God working through us. It wasn't a coincidence that Jesus took the little boy's lunch. Jesus, I know he's gangster with a G, but he's not mean. Do you know that that young man and his meal 
tends to get a wrong reputation. If you'll Google his meal, a lot of times you'll see a cartoon picture that looks like, like five loaves of French bread and two salmon. You know what I mean? Like, like the dude was just, like he was rolling. But when you do research, you find out that barley was the poorest version of bread they had in that culture. And they say that the fish was more like sardines or mackerel. That's why I say that must have been holy mackerel. There you go, Poppy. So here's my point. His lunch was something that most of those people would have never chosen to eat. It was just a poor lunch from a poor boy. And it wasn't coincidence that it was there. It was evidence that if you, no matter how little you have, if you'll offer it up to Jesus, he'll use it to change lives. It's evidence. It's not coincidence, church. It's evidence. It's not coincidence that you're here. It's not coincidence that you know who you know. It's not coincidence that you don't like what you don't like. The reason you don't like it is you're here to change it. There's a reason why you know those people. There's a reason why you have that past. There's a reason why you went through that. It wasn't a coincidence that you went through that. You went through it so you could minister to people. It's evidence of what God wants to do in your life. And it wasn't coincidence that there's leftovers. Can I, can I walk you through this for a moment? It's not coincidence that there were leftovers. And here's how I know. Because, well, and let me, let, me, let me frame it like this. I spent all week praying about this particular thing. Because this was the question that kept bothering me, Monica. I was like, why leftovers? Like, and there's all these theological answers. Believe me, you can, you can, they'll, they'll give you some theological. Well, in the fourth day of the Genesis cycle, I'm like, I ain't got time for that. I'm, I'm 34 years old, and I'm a sinner. Like, I need it to be broke down for me. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm praying, like, God, why, God, why, God, why? And I'm going to walk, can I walk you through? Can I share with you what God said to me? Y'all cool? You ready? You good? You good? Okay, good. Took me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Okay? That's what Paul says about God. Now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Right? That's going to be really important here in a minute. To him who is able to do what? More. We're going to need way more to do what? More than we could ever ask, my there, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Oh, he can do more as long as he's at work in all the spiritual people. No. Work in us. Us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You good? You got it? We can go home. Ben, let's wrap. No. Hold on. They might not be ready. No, y'all go ahead and come out. Y'all are supposed to. That was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> that didn't answer for you? You don't see the left? You don't? No? Oh. You need all the story. Okay. Brian and Tabby are a couple that visited a few months ago and just fell in love with the church and since then they've graduated growth track. Tabby is an incredible leader in V Kids. Brian is an incredible at a lot of things you're gonna learn here in a minute. And uh, one of the things that he's working on is he'll be on the worship team and processing all of that. And so we got the chance to have dinner with Brian and Tabby one night. We're sitting there having casual conversation. And you know, 
when I have casual conversations with people, I might be like, yeah, man, I, you know, I'm a big Penny Hardaway fan. And people are like, oh, that's, I didn't know that about you. Huh. It's not very impressive, but you didn't know it about me. For some reason, when I get with y'all, the stuff that I don't know about y'all is always impressive. And so I'm talking to him, and he's like, yeah, I do voiceovers. What? Who does voiceovers? Like, for a living? Like, I, I know people who do really bad impersonations for fun, but you do voiceovers for a living? He goes, yeah, I've voiced a toy before. A toy? This is like Toy Story Part 5. Like, you voiced a toy. And he goes through commercials, and he's saying all this, and he's telling me he did voiceovers. And, and so I responded the way that any of you would respond if Brian got up and said, I do voiceovers. You would say, let me hear it. Because I'm not just going to take you by your word. I'm not a Christian. Let me hear it. Let me, let me, let me, let me hear it. Let me, let me, let me. Because when somebody tells you they can do something, you want evidence. Am I right? So he did a couple. He did uh, Liam Neeson. Uh, I, <laughs> I was thinking I was going to try to do it. It would be hilarious. You do not know me. You know that whole deal, right? He did it. I was like, where's Liam? Where he at? Where he at? He's going to beat up and take my kids. Where is he at? So it was funny. The dinner ended. A couple days ago, a couple days later, he sends me an email with all these demos of all these voices he's done, demonstrations, so that I could see evidence that he was who he said he was. Then it hit me. Jesus was dropping demos. Why did Jesus leave leftovers? Because he wanted to give us evidence that he was who people said he was. He is the one who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Well, you can say it all you want to say it, but show it. Give me evidence. Well, you remember that time that a bunch of people were hungry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember, you remember that verse where it said they had had all they wanted, and then there was more. So I gave them all that they wanted, but then I gave them more. Because I am the God who does immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Remember when, um, uh, oh, I can't, I'm forgetting the names, I'm forgetting the names. What's Lazarus? Mary Martha. Mary Martha, Lazarus dies, their brother dies, and they, or, or he's sick, and they go to Jesus, and they're like, hey, can you heal him? He's sick. Jesus said, oh, he's sick? They said, yeah, he's sick. He's not doing well. Jesus said, all right, I'm going to wait three days. Why are you going to wait three days? So that he'll die and be dead, dead, like doornail dead. You know what I mean? Like, I want him to be dead, dead, because I'm going to come, and I'm going to heal him, and I'm going to raise him from the dead because I'm going to give you evidence that I am the one who is able to do more than what you ask or imagine. So you'll ask for him to be made well, and I will bring him back from the dead. You will ask to be fed, and I will feed you and give you leftovers because he is the God who is able to do more than what you could ask or imagine. So they all wrote about it because it was evidence that God was working through us. He took the boy's lunch because it was evidence that it doesn't matter how little you have. Troy, I know you keep talking about Grow Track and Dream Team and changing Smyrna and all that, but, but not me. Those people seem ho not You don't know my, Yes, I want you. You're the reason I'm here. Because if you'll just give the little that you have, he'll change lives. And it wasn't a coincidence that they had leftovers. It was evidence that he is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine.
So I was praying about 2019 for us. I was praying about this offering we're taking up next week. Praying about the fast, which I'll talk more about. Some of y'all are like, he say fast? He may be talking about eating fast. <laughs> talk more about it. Praying about this, and God, I said, God, I need a, I need a word. I need a word from you for this year for our church. I started thinking about all the things we want to do, and, and let, let me real quick take you through some of the things we want to do in 2019. Right off the bat, we're going to rebrand our mission statement. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. They'll always be at the foundation of them because they're biblically founded, and that's why we put them there. But I wanted to allow us space for more. And so I'm going to give you an example. We're going to change Know God to grow. As a church, we, we grow. And in... 2019, we've seen 65 people give their heart to Jesus. I'm believing somebody's going to give their heart today. But there's still 35,000 plus people in our zip code that need Jesus. And I believe he wants to do more. Can, can you show that banner real quick, Miss Erica? The banners that are out in the lobby, we're going to replace them with these. Our mission, grow. Now watch this. It allows us to grow closer to God. No God, but watch this. It allows us to grow in diversity as a church. It allows us to grow in the movement of the gospel. It allows us to grow and change. So it's more. So you'll see that happening in the beginning of the year. But so gr no God changes to grow. And what we're asking God to do is to be able to see 35,000 people plus come to know Jesus. Does it have to happen through victory? No. I don't care what church it happens in. But we're just here to be used as a vessel for that to happen. Amen? That's one of the things. Another thing is find freedom, right? That was find freedom. You know that. We change it to guide. We're guiding as a church. We want to establish four victory groups, four groups where people who are dealing with issues, they want to be set free, can come and be discipled. We are a church that doesn't believe you just raise your hand and say, I accept Jesus and life changes. You need discipleship. And so right now we're training 12 leaders to be able to open up those groups and be able to change lives. That's what we're believing for in 2019. Then there's Discover Purpose, as you know. We're changing it to Give. We want people to be able to understand that you're giving in your resource and you're giving in your time. You're giving in your blood, sweat, and tears. And from the time we launched the church till now, our dream team has doubled. At the time I wrote this, 54 people is what we launched church with. 108 was on our dream team when I wrote this. God doubled it. We're believing for God to double it again. And listen, I'm not talking about people sitting in seats. I'm talking about people serving in their purpose. Amen? And then the last one was make a difference. We're changing to go. You notice they all four start with a G. You're welcome. <laughs> we want to fund as a church four major community events. We were able to do two last year that we want to repeat this year, and we just want to spice them up. Trunk or treat. And we will have an entire I Love My City Serve Month in the month of July. It's crazy what we're going to do. But there are two other big things that I'm believing and praying for now, just trying to get through the red tape that we want to do for our community because we're here to impact our community. Amen? These are just some of the things that I'm wanting to do in 2019. What's the purpose prevails for? It brings excellence to what we're able to do, to be able to help us do it. So I'm praying about this, right? I'm like, God, here's what I know about you, and I'm getting all this. It's not a coincidence what you're doing, and da da da, da. I just need a word from you, and I need a word for Victory Church. Because some of you have been praying for your family, and God answered your prayers. In the past 10 months, somebody's been praying for finances, and God answered your prayers. Some of you have been praying for your children, your friends, and God answered your prayers. Some of you are praying for a church that you could serve in your purpose, and God answered your prayers. Some of you are praying for your children.
they could find a place where they could learn about God. Some of you are praying for family. You're praying for friends. Some of you, you're praying those same exact prayers and somebody didn't mention it and they're not there yet. It doesn't mean it's over. So I'm like, God, I need a, I need a word for us. Just let us stand on a word in 2019. Here's what God told me. I'm, I'm, I'm researching about these leftovers and God, why, why, why? Here's what he told me. You ready? There's more where that came from. And I instantly thought about 65 people who gave their heart to Jesus. I instantly thought about 110 people who are serving God in their purpose. And I heard him say, there's more where that came from. Because I'm the God that's able to do more, immeasurably more. The blessing you've seen in your finances, there's more where that came from. The blessing you've seen in your household with your marriage, with your kids, there's more where that came from. The direction you've had, there's more where that comes from. The friends, the family, you've, there's more where that came from. There's more. He is the God who is able to do immeasurably more. I'm going to ask the auditorium host for a moment to come. And they have something for you that I want them to give you. Because we are going to be praying and believing for this all through 2019. So what they're going to put in your hand right now is one of these silicone bracelets. On one side it says Victory, it has our logo. And on the other side you'll see it says More. And it says Ephesians 3.20. And I don't know if you wear these kind of things. I don't know if that's you or not. But I really hope it is. Because in a minute, we're going to pray that over our lives for the, for the rest of this year and for 2019. And I want you to be able to see it, and I want it to bring it to your mind, and I want you to be praying for it. Certainly for you, for your family, for the church. But I want us to believe that God is the God who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. So do me a favor. Once you get your bracelet, would you stand with me for a second? I'll share one more coincidence and then we'll pray. One of Darla and I's biggest blessings since we moved here is uh, the what we've seen God do in the y YMCA here in Smyrna, Tennessee. We've met some pretty incredible people just in the past 16 months or so that we've lived here. People that have changed our lives. And uh, the only reason why we picked the YMCA is because they have a track that you can walk because I like to go there and pray and walk in the morning because all the other places are a lot cheaper. <laughs> and um, I thought to myself, is it a coincidence that three or four years ago God would take us through what he took us through just to start a routine that would cause us to move here to then say we got to be at the Y because it's got a track. I don't care if it has dumbbells. It's got to have a track. And then we would begin to meet people. And I could go through B. Leslie, Caitlin Brandon. I could go on and on and on through the people that we met at that gym. Was it a coincidence, church? Coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. He's moving in your life 
But more than that, he's moving through your life. He's changing people's lives. And I'm just here to tell you there's more where that came from. He is the God who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. That's who he is. And he gave us evidence from day one. So my prayer for you right now is do not leave this place without praying more over your life in 2019. Amen? Lord, we thank you. We're humbled to be in your presence. You are the God of miracles. You are the God who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And you're the God that would pull me aside on a weekday and say there's more where that came from. And so I pray over every family, over every marriage, over every bank account, over every household, over every child, over every job, over every coworker. God, every situation, I pray more right now in their life. I pray more people will come to know you, Lord, in 2019. I pray that more people will begin to serve in their purpose. I pray that we can impact this community more, that there'll be victory over hunger, and there'll be victory over all these areas that need touch in our community. But God, for these people that are in this place, I pray more over their life. I pray more over Darla in my life. Because it's who you are. It's who you are. You are that God. God of miracles and what you've done in this place and in this city through us in 10 months is a miracle. Can we just thank him in your own way just for using you? God, thank you. I don't even deserve to be used by you. But thank you. Thank you for the blessings in my life. I've already got more than I need. I love how the people were full. They had had all they could have. And God, I've already got all that I can have. But you are the God of more. And so I know that there's more. There'll be more hardship. There'll be more sacrifice. There'll be more calls to obedience. There'll be more prayer. But God, I'm ready. Because the victories will be more. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.